Welcome to The Contented Collective, a weekly podcast about business, marketing, and entrepreneurship in Australia. This week, I've got a date with Nicole McInnes, Marketing Director at eHarmony Australia, and we're going to chat about digital as the innovation enabler, not as the slave, her time at Pandora, and also VR dating. Can you even handle it? I'm Kate Constantine, and this is The Contented Collective. Today, I'm joined by Nicole McInnes, who is the newly installed marketing director at eHarmony for Australia and New Zealand. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. Love is certainly in the air today. Thanks so much, Kate. It's lovely to be here. We Do love a we? pun at the Consensus Collective and both of us individually. What has love got to do with it is what I'd like to know. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Um, we were having a prelim talk, as I do with most of my guests, and Nicole and I were just spitting fire on uh, innovation and evolution of disruption that we had to hit the record button. So we're going to jump straight in. Talk to me, technology enabler, disruptor, or just generic pain in the ass for marketers? That's a very big question. Firstly, technology has become sort of worshipped. It's a bit of a master, I think, whereas it should be an enabler. So it's it's really easy to make it a master, though, because look at what it's brought in terms of the way that we consume media, the way that we yeah. listen to music, you know, where I was previously. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing thing. And we are in awe of our phones, our iPads, every way that we can consume. We're in awe of being uber-connected all the time, yeah. right? Yeah, we so are. We're in what's love everyone with it. doing? Why? Where are you? Why aren't you here? Yeah, and I think that's really um, had a halo effect into the marketing landscape. So we are equally obsessed with digital and data and technology mm. on the marketing side. I think the the issue that comes with it though is that if you start to focus there solely, you can get lost in that data. You can go down so many rabbit warrens, and you you will lose sight of why you're marketing in the first place and lose sight of your customers. So it's really important to take a step back from data and technology sometimes and remind yourself of why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, the evolution of technology and all of this great, rich and insightful data is so that you can provide better emotional and emotive story arcs so that you can convince your potential customers to become customers. Yeah. Really. Exactly. It's not data for data's sake, no, but there is a right. lot of emphasis on data. Yeah, and I think I mean, I get trailed around by shoes as you can imagine on yep. the internet and <laughs> mine's coats. <laughs> coats. Coats and bags. <laughs> yeah, I get shoes. I mean, it's it's clever, but we're sort of doing it because we can rather than actually knowing whether that customer has already bought the shoes somewhere else or bought the jeans somewhere else. And it's a real waste of, of media money. And we can, we can go down those yeah. different paths at two to three levels now um, to try and get more accurate uh, targeting or um, further down the funnel in the sales yeah. process. But at the end of the day, if you are not saying the right message at the right time to the person, then, you know, yeah. it's it's not going to work. Well, there's a huge amount of redundancy. I like to say I fail fast and shop quick. So if I see something I like, I just buy it. I'm not a mm. bookmark it for later. I buy it and then have buyer's remorse. That's my evolution. So later <laughs> on when I'm on Facebook talking about something and they push me the same shoes or similar shoes to what I've just bought, I'm like, that's redundant. 
you've just paid a lot of money for that. I've already bought the shoes. Yeah, that's right. Or I've already spent my money and I actually feel bad about it. Mate, now you're making me feel horrible about my purchase decision. Yeah. Don't tell me. I'm going to hide those from my husband later. But the, the irony of all of that is that we allow for digital redundancy because we can see the ROI of it. So Yeah, what it, and see what how it, much of it there is. That's it. And so what we've, what we've done as marketers is shift so much money because it's comfortable. We can see the data. We can see if it's working or not. Mm. And that's a comfortable place to be. It's much harder to throw a lot of money onto a traditional media, say like outdoor or TV, where you can't see as well the ROI and prove it to the sea level. Yeah. And so you end up overemphasising the digital channels. Just because you've got it in your hand, right? Yeah, you can. And it's You physically, tangibly can see and touch it as opposed to knowing from a gut or emotive perspective or perhaps an emotional perspective that it's working because people are telling you anecdotally, you know, that it's on your customer's either journey to work or whilst they're watching. So eHarmony, where you are now, which is Mm. awesome and I can't wait to talk to you all about dating in a minute. (laughs) Um, P.S. Most of the girls in my office are single and they're like, so when you talk to Nicole, could you bring back a man or two? <laughs> I don't think it's that sort of chat. Um, but I suppose for me, you know, eHarmony is probably one of those digital businesses that really has capitalised on traditional media as opposed to this evolution into technology, social media enabling, if you like. Yeah. Tell me why. Why, why TV and when why I- traditional when I met the um, VP of brand, who is now our CEO, he basically said that they tried to replicate the effect of TV in other channels because TV is still more expensive and it just didn't work. So for an emotional product like eHarmony that's mm. about love, TV really is one of the key channels that does still work really well for And we can't measure it as well as we can measure the other channels, but we know when we turn it off that it has a massive impact on the other channels and the digital Mm. channels. So because we've got this model where we have tried turning it off and we have it always on, we can really clearly see how hard it works for us. So we're in that rare position where we've seen the results and therefore feel confident to have a lot of media in TV. And are you you seeing that that's going to continue for eHarmony as you grow and diversify, which no doubt, just like every business, you will into the future? Will that remain a constant, do you think? Probably can't just because of the fragmentation of the channel. Yeah. But what what will remain is that video content for eHarmony because it it tells a story. Storytelling, right? You need that. You need that love story if you like. It's like those old radio promos or like coupon promos from when we were younger, and you'd go, "No one ever wins." (laughs) <laughs> like on TV hits on a Saturday morning or Saturday days, no yeah. one ever wins. No one ever wins the drawing competition. No one ever wins because you never actually physically see the person, right? No, that's right. So does anyone ever win in love? Well, define and demonstrate, show me. Yes, exactly The couple right. that wins in love, right? Yeah. And all of our, I mean, we've got sort of a mixed strategy of having real couples for testimonial storytelling plus brand storytelling on TV. So we do have that proof and substantiation in real Australian couples and there is 38,000 of them that have become engaged through Eat Harmony. Wow. I know. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I Mm. went to a um, Tinder wedding recently and I just think that's weird but that's me because I'm old and married but... um, you know, it's, I suppose, this new evolution of there's such a prolification now of 
online dating mm. and now there's a lot of categories. Yeah, that's you right. Know, eHarmony, you know, to our earlier point, was probably one of the earliest disruptors in the market. So mm. tell me what the brand evolution is. What is the what does the category look like? And then what do the subcategories look like? Edumacate me in love. <laughs> well, I am only nine weeks into eHarmony, so I'm probably not the most educated on online dating yet, but I've done pretty well in nine weeks. I think that the interesting thing about where eHarmony is now is I recently saw that that some companies now, their life can be as short as 16 years. And eHarmony started in 2000, funnily enough. So that that data point when I heard it was like, oh, okay. But eHarmony was a disruptor. It disrupted classified personal ads yeah. back in 2000 yeah. and became one of the leading ways to meet people in the Could world. Could you imagine riding into a newspaper and going, hi, desperate and dateless. Yeah, Blonde, I know. Like, like that just seems foreign <laughs> now, but that was what you did. That's what happened, yeah. So it was a bit um, sleazy. It's like what's yeah. happening on some of the mobile apps. But uh, eHarmony sort of made it more premium and elevated it to a more deep and meaningful d sort <laughs> of situation. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, oh, what's so happened good. in the last two years is eHarmony and, uh, and other online dating sites have become disrupted by mobile apps. Yeah. So the disruptor has become the disrupted, yeah. which is a really interesting place to be and it means that we have to innovate, you know, stay relevant. Yeah, so what does innovation look like? For you guys? Well, it definitely, we can't move away from our core and that's sort of, that's similar to what I was saying about technology. Why why does eHarmony exist? E- eHarmony exists to provide... marriages. Yeah, well, it's not, it's just about companionship and connecting humans well, I think yeah. is probably, uh, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to put an end to people's story and, and say no. that it's about marriage, but it's about compatibility and finding people that will get on really well and that's putting them together. And I think that's really important. So innovation has to sort of come around that core essence and serve that core essence in a sense. So it's more about looking at the consumer, how has the consumer changed, how do they want to interact these days and it's all on mobile. Yeah. So that's where we're pushing all of our innovation and looking at how to keep that beautiful ability through the algorithm to connect people well while making it easy for them on their mobile when they're running around as our life gets busier and busier. So true. So tell me, I read somewhere on the line, on the interwebs, (laughs) that you, in the States, that eHarmony was looking toward other matchmaking abilities. Yeah. So not just matchmaking for companionship, you've got a same-sex partnership site that's like eHarmony but for same-sex couples, big tick in my book, happy days, hallelujah. Obviously, there's competitor apps in the hetero and in the homosexual world, but then there's also then how else do you match make? So, do yeah. you want to tell us about how you're innovating into other matchmaking worlds? Yeah, so eHarmony launched Elevated Careers last year and planning to launch it into Australia next year. Oh, it's big basically year. matchmaking employees to uh, employers. Which is is very important match. So would it take out the recruiter, or is it like a tool that a a person who has a role uses to find the best sort of person that matches their culture, or how how would that yeah, work? Yeah, it's it's similar to that. Um, the latter point. It's basically using the algorithm of finding out what people value, who they really are, and then matching those values to cultures within 
companies. That's so pretty it's, cool. It's really the the company has to do the questionnaire as well to find out what yep. this what they believe in and what is true to them. What's their core proposition? What yeah. are their values? What are important to them? That's right, and then matching. And I think that's mm. it's so important. I've been listening to um, Simon. Sinek, mm. if I've mispronounced it, I'm sure he's not listening, Simon, sorry. But <laughs> if you are, he's basically one of these key proponents on leadership and he basically says that people work really well with leaders when they understand the leader's values and I think that goes for employees. I totally agree. And employees, mm. yeah. So in terms of what other, you know, pillars you could match make. What else is on the, is there anything else on the horizon? Yeah, well, our 80-something-year-old ex-CEO, who's now the chairman of our board, mentioned friends in a speech that he gave. I can't remember where I heard it, but I thought it was a great idea because, you know, matching on friendship groups and adventures that you want to do together and not just being you know, one-on-one is a very, really interesting area. That probably won't be for a couple of years, but it's an area that's been mentioned. I, I'm not in LA in the product team, so it, it could be a hidden project that I don't even know about nine weeks in. Yeah, there's probably a couple <laughs> yeah, under there that you're like, oh, so. hang on a minute, this could be fun. Yeah. So in terms of prolification of the industry, if mm. you like, if we go mm. classifieds, we go, you know, eHarmony, RSVP, mm-hmm. those sort of first tier, first to market disruptors within the digital period and then everything else, like where is it going or where do you think that you're, mm. you know, you can carve out an appropriate niche because there are, yeah. you know, now so many. I've been going through them quite hilariously as you do in research for these things. <laughs> like there are celebrity ones, secret celebrity apps called Raya. If anyone's listening at home, Google that. You can't get in. You've got to have someone Do you someone have to, to be a celebrity to use it? I think or so. Or do you have to think you're a celebrity? I think, well, to... I don't know. So in my search, you have to be nominated by someone. You have to be in some sort of creative profession, i.e. to be able to give back to that sort of, <laughs> I don't know, it just sounds really clicky, I would say. So I, I go, how are you going to find love like that? So tell me about the widening of the market. So, you know, what does that mean for eHarmony and what does that mean for you as its director of marketing with so much else going on now? There's there's a lot of good in the in the market growing. I mean, yeah. with uh, with new entrants um, that have different styles about them. You know, some are just for hookups. Yeah. Some have a really high majority of men on them because they're just for hookups. Nonetheless, what it does is it makes online dating the norm, which is really important for the growth of the industry. Mm-hmm. So we we want we want um, innovation from our competitors. We want growth in this industry yeah. as a company. And the the part that we will always keep focus on is is real love. And people that know me know that I can be very cynical and very cheeky, but I am a softie underneath it all. And I think that, you know, everybody, even though an Aussie bloke, you might not admit it, or, or a girl, yeah. whatever. I think that once you down, make the commitment to settle down. Yeah, you, don't you want still f- want it. You still want it. Even if you pretend like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm really cool and casual about it. Yeah. Deep down you still you still want to find someone that you can hang out with and be in a team with. Yeah. And I think that's that's the area that we play in. And all we want to do is make, you know, make the odds stacked in your favor by getting you a pool of people that you're more likely to 
be able to hang out with for a long time. I mean, you and I are both married. We know what it's like. Yes. <laughs> on a day-to-day level. So without the compatibility <laughs> yeah. there, it, it makes it a lot harder than it needs to be. And that was the whole yeah. premise that, you know, Dr. Warren built the business on, that, yeah. you know, uh, his saying was opposites attract and then they attack. So he's very... Interesting. Yeah. So he's really into that science behind what makes companionship work. That's so nice. that's the area that we play in. And I think as as it expands, I think people, what they do is whatever stage they're at in their life, if they're, if they're not into the stage where it's time to settle down or they want to settle down and they're still, you know, having too much fun, yeah. then, you know, that probably won't be the stage when they enrol into eHarmony and do the yeah. questionnaire. But at some point, you know, they might want to. Whether it, and age is not really, it's not really age, loosely it is, but some people want to settle down really young. And so some it's more people stage to, appropriate than yeah, age appropriate. Yeah, I think so. I like that. So you can borrow that. Yeah, that's good. So tell me, you <laughs> at eHarmony are priced significantly higher than the rest of the market. Is that a specific marketing strategy or is that how much it costs to make it happen? Because obviously there are yeah. two different things at play there. It's not significantly higher, actually. It's It looks like it because it's once you pay once, Yep. You get everything. Whereas okay. the other pricing structures, there's a lot of pay as you go. So they might have a upfront fee that's, that looks like less. it's less. But once you get into it, if you want, you have to buy coins in some of them. You have to buy stars in others. You have to buy super likes in others. So they actually start to hit you up through the process. And it could end up being more expensive if you do get all the features. Whereas eHarmony is a bit more straightforward. And I think that's part of part of the culture and values as well. It's just like this is what it costs and you get... No the, nonsense. That's it. We're up front. This is what you get. You know, is it, a, is it a really tactical marketing pricing position because it's about, you know, don't come here and waste our time, don't come here and waste other people's time. This is an investment. Yeah, that's you true. Know, there is do that. it properly, you know, don't piss about. Well, that know. it is sort of, it is a barrier to sort of, Time wasters. Having people come in and just tire kick. Because yeah. that, that doesn't help people that have gone there for the right reason. It's like when you yeah. it's like when you're watching The Bachelor and all the girls say We're you obsessed know, in my office at the moment. It's hilarious. By more but, the memes, I have to say. You know, some of them are there for the right reasons. And to some find are love. Definitely not. And some are there to become famous T V personalities. Yeah. It's hilarious. I just, but, can't, you know, I just can't get <laughs> so over the amount the of kissing there. that one guy can do. So let's hilarious. take a different tact for a moment. With all innovation and all amazing abilities that come with this online world that obviously mm. you are prevalent in mm. the digital space and this is where eHarmony makes its bread and butter, recently there was quite a horrid tale, not on your site, on a gay app where a journo created a fake profile to out Olympians for being gay. So what does regulation look like in these environments? Because with every good comes an evil, right? With yeah. every yeah. great, amazing opportunity comes someone who will do the wrong thing. So how does eHarmony stress test for that? We have a full trust and safety team mm-hmm. based in LA and so it's, it's taken really seriously. One of our 
legal claims that that I've found out recently I'm allowed to say because, you Mm. know, every company has to get their claims signed off with legal. One of them is eHarmony is the most trusted dating site. And the reason for that is is the basis that we we make sure that we weed out those catfish, I think they're called, and and things like that quite quickly. And we have trust and safety team always working on that and, and making sure that, you know, any complaints that come through are acted on really quickly. It makes it quite hard, isn't it? Because when you're talking of affairs of the heart, as mm. well, people are probably a lot more trusting than they would usually be because they are looking to be quite open yeah. to yeah, in, a new thing. That's right. So to have that taken advantage of, I think, would be epic failure of both protocol on the business's front, but also an epic failure of, you know, the machination that yeah. let it down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think I think because we, we take quite seriously if people are going to go through the process and, and are serious about finding yeah. a, a long-lasting companion or a, a companion that just fits them, then you can't take that lightly. And so we we take it very seriously. We take, you know, customer data very seriously. So that's why we've we've set up this team and made sure that they're always on it. I think that that's probably a, an interesting point to note that with, you know, the explosion of apps, regardless of whether they're for dating, yeah. but the explosion of apps and one-to-one communication with people that you actually don't know. Yeah, that's right. And you just very easily socially accept and go, oh, yeah, okay, you can be my Snapchat buddy. Yeah. Oh, do I know that person? And the next minute there, I had one the other day. I was like, oh, does that girl look familiar? I don't really know her. And I added her on Facebook. And then she started spamming Ray-Bans on my like, I obviously didn't know you. Delete. (laughs) Yes, that's right. But you also don't want to be rude. No, that's right. So this whole sort of new world of personal social protocols that yeah. we're all going through as just human beings as to how we do this. Like, this no, is a new it's world. Right. It, it's so true. You you always think the best of people, I think, first up and then, like you say, you, you say, okay, well, I'll accept that person on whatever platform it is. And yeah. next thing you know, you're getting sales propositions or... yeah. Bombarded push. with stuff that you're just like, no, okay, unfriend, unfollow, un, un. Yeah, I just <laughs> didn't. I didn't want this. I'm no. unning you. Go away. Like <laughs> I thought, maybe I knew you. Obviously, I was incorrect. Yeah, it happens often, especially in the business in the business sites. I think. Yeah, it's, I think so as well. It's getting crazy. It's Spamville. So tell me, you are. From a career perspective, mm. you are probably one of the most digitally recognised marketing directors in the market. So you've been, for those playing at home, in a senior leadership role at Dell and you've been obviously a senior leadership role and the you know marketing function to relaunch and make amazing Pandora in mm-hmm. Australia and New Zealand mm-hmm. and now at eHarmony. Mm. Tell me about what it's like being in that digital tipping point but also in that marketing tipping point because they can be both mutually amazing and mutually horrendous. Digital's moving so fast that you learn something new about the industry every day. So Mm. even digital natives are learning something new um, every day. So we recently went on a tour of the mobile advertising world um, just to uncover exactly all the strata within that that media selling world because there is quite a few levels and they're not clearly defined. So mm. we went and found out all about that. So, I mean, I think you're learning all the time with digital and you have to stay 
um, current yeah. and you have to be aware that you're not going to know something one day to the next and be comfortable with that and then just find it out. Yeah. But you can always find it out. You just have to meet people, hunt around, talk to people and then you find stuff out, which is great. It does take a bit of time. I think the merging that with sort of years of marketing experience is a hard balance to strike. Yeah. Like everyone else, digital is alluring. It, it's just, you know, I, I love a number. Um, I, love, <laughs> I love a bit of an Excel spreadsheet or a BI tool. And so I, I do get caught up in, you know, watching the results come in yeah. and, and optimising the channels, which is a lot of what I did at Dell. So and Checking your dashboards, yeah. making things sure things are working. Yeah, and... I love a dashboard. I'm building one right now and it's, you know, it's very sad. I am a nerd. But equally, the thing that I've really checked myself on is making sure that I understand why we're doing what we're doing. And that's yeah. when that's when you can go off the rails if you forget that. And I think when you're getting caught up in ROI and, and channel um, fragmentation and all of that yeah. stuff, you can you can forget the big picture. And the big picture is to make sure you are doing things for customers that they want, yeah. the way they want it. And that you're making them happy that it's that it that it's still working for them, and that's where I think we're you know with our new CEO and our new chief product officer, we're really focused now on making sure that all of those things are right, yeah, rather than just looking at the optimization. You know, that's a new lens for you know eHarmony as a business as well. Like your original founder and CEO, well into his eighties. I saw something online the other day which I thought was really cute and there was a picture of him and he was, you know, very well-dressed next to um, the founder and CEO of Tinder who's 29 and, <laughs> like, Silicon Valley ripped jeans and a pair of thongs. And I was like, you couldn't get more different from a brand and leadership <laughs> perspective. Like, one's rocking up in probably yeah, a Maserati yeah. and thongs and the other one's talking really humbly about social connections and love and is very yeah. eight, in his 80s about it, which is yeah. also quite lovely. So tell me, in terms of leadership, now that you've had a change at the helm, mm. does that change and where? what do you think about leadership styles and following your new leader? How's that? Yeah, the, the new leader, I, I never got to uh, work for Dr. Warren, so I haven't spoken to him personally. Yep. Um, I've heard, you know, amazing things. Of course, I've seen him speak. I can't really comment on how Grant Langston, our new CEO, will be different to Dr. Warren, other than his age. And Grant is probably more comfortable in jeans as well. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, all I know is that I, I said something about when I when I first met Grant, he's he's such a humble, he's a humble guy as well, knows what he wants, but is very interested in what other people think and interested in in finding out and collaborating. So he's a really, he's a really well-loved person. He's been at eHarmony for, I think, like since it started or near when it started. Oh, wow, okay. Um, so he's, so had, he's got founder's mentality though, Yes, right? he does. So he's, um, he's come out of the brand department, he's a VP of brand before his um, elevation to CEO. And the thing about Grant is that he's very, he's from Alabama and he's got, like a real swagger about him. So awesome. He's just sort of I don't know. He's he's laid back, but he's also really driven. Um, but he, I think, from his time, you know, watching how 
eHarmony has engaged with its customers over the years, he really loves that close connection with the customer. Yeah. And so he's driving that really hard from all angles now, being the CEO. So he's driving it from a product point of view and he's driving it from the communications point of view. And, you know, he wants to get close to the customer again. So... Which that sounds like a breath of fresh air. That sounds like a yeah. almost like a you know a new chapter, the turning of a page to go. This is where we were. We've done a really great job. We've got great numbers. We've got success stories. But now let's get closer. Yeah, that's it. He's um, he's got a lot of energy as well. Like when when it was announced, when Dr. Warren announced that um, Grant was to become the CEO, there were cheers in the office in oh, LA. That's sweet. So. So he's well-loved and I think he'll, you know, for that reason alone, I think a leader, they need to, you know, when I was talking to you earlier about love, there's there's sort of two kinds of love, especially when you get to a leadership position and that is customer love for sure and Grant's got that in spades, but he's also got team love and I really think that is something that I can aspire to as a leader. So I can, you know, I look look up to him in that way as well. Already I can see, even after nine weeks, that he really cares about his people. That's and a nice quality to have, yeah. though, in a leader rather yeah, than ruling with an iron fist or, yes. you know, do what I do or not what I say or, or what I say but not what I do. <laughs> yeah, Isn't it the other way around? Good it, one, Kate. It. In terms of broadly then outside of eHarmony, who, and there might not be anyone, but who is in that sort of, I suppose, leadership forum that you see as being, you know, some amazing, you know, female mentors that we should be looking up to? I really liked hearing speak but I don't know her personally, mm. um, is Kathy O'Connor from Nova. You know, I remember her saying um, in a speech, there was a, there's a special place in hell for women who don't support women. Oh, <laughs> I, I like it. it. Was, I think it was at Women in Media a couple of years ago um, or last year even, but it's, it's an interesting sort of thing to say, I think, yeah. in, in its first... And it made me it made me think about, you know, why would she say that? And and I think the reason she I mean I'm making an assumption, I'm not in her head, don't know her, but mm. what I took out of it from you know, what I took from it was that it's really hard to get to the top as a female. And then when you get there, instead of just relaxing into it and getting on with it and being comfortable that you should be there, that you're there for the right reasons and all of that stuff, all and that, that you've good earned, stuff. And you've earned your place. You've and, earned it and there's nothing to be yeah. afraid of. I think some women get there and they and they fear that they'll lose it and so they protect it. And that's when, mm. and that's when you know, I mean, this is men as well actually. It's not just yeah. women. It's just poor leadership, not because anyone's got a bad intention. to. They mm. don't, nobody sets out to be a crap leader. No. <laughs> We'd hope not, right? No, but it's just it's just human nature that if we get threatened, we start to behave in self-protection and defensive ways that mm. are destructive to culture. So I think the important thing, if you are lucky enough to get into a leadership role, is to work really hard on your own and make sure that you you know you don't let. Um, you know, people people will come at you. Like that's that's human nature as well. In the corporate world, people it's also the competitive it's nature competitive of media. Nature, that's it. This so is what we do. That's it, it. it is our. It's completely normal. Yeah, it's a highly competitive marketplace. So, so you know, people will come at you, and it, it's more about you know 
stepping sideways rather than entering into the fight. Yeah. And just letting them fly by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> letting letting them go through to the keeper. Yeah. Because knowing which ones to hold and knowing which ones to fold. Yeah. And I, and I think mm. it's just about... Um, it, it, once you once you get there, it's important not to fall victim to imposter syndrome. You're there for a reason. You're there because you should be there, and you can be comfortable in that. I like that imposter syndrome. I like that because I mm. think a lot. I think women would have that more than men, not yes. because of a gender thing, just because I think there's such a prolification of talking about gender that mm. it almost ostracizes women in the first place. So you're already, and, I, you know, we're both not old women in this industry. <laughs> I think that we've still got quite a lot of life left in us. <laughs> but you do. You think Don't in some that. ways you are an imposter. Yeah. Because, you know, because you must be. Well, that's it. I think women, I think they're more prone to doubting themselves. Yeah. And they're also more prone to being hard on themselves. So yeah. I think there's, there's once you're aware that that is an inclination that you might have, then that's when the work has to start. You yeah. have to say, right, I've got, I know that I'm hard on myself. You have to start working on who I've got to leave up. Be more understanding with yourself and mm-hmm. then you'll be more understanding with others. It's, it all has to start with getting comfortable in your own skin. You need to find why you're going to work every day. Yeah. You need to find it and you need to recognise it and then make sure that what you're doing in the day satisfies that why. Yeah. I think, look, certainly there would be arguments around why that doesn't happen at, you know, the lower income end yes. and, and and around, you know, people that don't have choice and haven't had the available or affordable skills to, to do that. But certainly in the media and marketing environment, we have a, I think, uh, pretty awesome day-to-day gig, right? Yeah, and very lucky. Yeah, if you don't like it, then you shouldn't be in it. No, It's really not. actually that simple because it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of jollies, as everybody knows. There's a lot of jollies. There's a lot of fun times. There's a lot of great people. Mm. So if you can't find a connection and a way into a business where you feel satisfied and you've got something of value and provide something of value, then you're in the wrong spot. So you were at Pandora during a really turbulent time as Mm -hmm. a CMO. How do you deal with that? Turbulence is probably the wrong word. I think it was was growing really fast. So it was probably growing faster in Australia um, than we could keep up with in terms of making sure the structure's right, making sure we've got the right teams in place. So I think it was... It was more. It was. It was tough because it. It felt like we were in startup mode for a long time, even though we we were growing. You'd it, kind it of matured. Yeah, yeah, it was. We had we had a mature parent in the US as well that didn't really understand what a startup looked like anymore, and so it it wasn't really turbulent other than long hours. No, there was no blueprint. Everything was from scratch. It was a lot of hard work. But it was also a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to build a marketing function nearly from scratch. I mean, I inherited some search engine marketing and social and then built all the other channels around that. So that was a really exciting experience for me. And, you know, also getting to understand the music industry, which is crazy. It's a little <laughs> different, isn't it? We've got some music peeps coming cray, up in the pod, in the podcast series. It is cray-cray. operates like a different beast, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. 
<laughs> Which puts an, a huge amount of additional pressure on a business mm. that doesn't operate in that world but is kind of operating on the periphery of that world. Because yes. you're, you're either a gamer, like you're in, or you're out. Yeah, so the, that's correct. The pressure juncture, I imagine, between music industry and Pandora, as in staff, people, brand, would be quite... And a digital business on top of that. So it's a, Yeah, you're a pressure cooker. It's a digital business but in the music industry and that those two things together. <laughs> Bring back Napster, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so once in a lifetime opportunity and what would be your key learning from that period? I definitely, I, well, I learned a truckload about digital optimization, also about the media mix in today's world. Like everyone's saying, you know, everything has to be digital. Well, TV and outdoor work, their socks off for Pandora. So I learned a lot about that. I think the other key takeout was, you know, learning how to inspire and motivate people around a shared goal. So I think that that's the hardest thing to do. It's what I'm trying to do for the Australian business now for eHarmony. It's a really tough thing to do. And I think but I, but I learnt that it is the most important thing to be successful as a leader. You need to have your vision so clear. You need to be really clear with your staff what that vision is and what it means for their roles, how it affects their day-to-day. You, you need to give them that reason to get up in the morning. There's, it's sort of like a guardrail to help them make decisions by themselves every day. Like a filter. Yeah. A no-ambiguity filter. Yeah, well, it actually, a vision enables staff to be autonomous. If you don't have a vision, they're always beholden on you to tell them what to do and that just creates an awful, you know, feeling for every staff member because you know that people gain satisfaction from solving problems themselves. So giving them, you give them room to create, if you like, mm. if, you, if you tell them what the story at the end needs to look like, then they can, they can start writing the story. But if you don't give them that vision, they will just wait to be told what needs to be done next. It's about creating more of an entrepreneurial flair within your team. We're all adults and a great leader just gives them enough room to do the right thing by the business, just gives them that guidance and tweaks just don't get in their way. Yeah, and if they, if they don't follow suit, they're obviously not right for the business. No, that's right. right? Or they you, haven't, haven't, you haven't hired properly. Yeah, they haven't bought into the vision. Yeah. So... If they don't, if they don't believe the vision, and that's that's I think where you can work out whether somebody's right for you or not mm. as an employee or as as a employer. You don't believe the vision. If you don't believe the vision, you don't believe in what the company is doing and why the company exists. Then you shouldn't be there. Yeah, agreed. And, and I think if you do believe in it, if if the leader has articulated what that is and you believe in it you'll go so far above and beyond because you believe in something. So we have chatted for a very long time (laughs) and we've got in quite a few puns, which I'm definitely going to keep in because they're great. (laughs) Um, I really, I always like to sort of round things up by saying to the guests that we have on the Contented Collective, speculate, what does this all look like in 10 years? Because 10 years ago there was no Facebooks, there was no Snapchats, There were no secondary TV channels. You know, magazines Mm. were just magazines. Mm. They weren't magazines and digital portals. There was no live streaming. Can I be really boring and say, oh, it's all going to be virtual reality? Do you think it is? No. Probably, but 
No. What do you think? <laughs> Speculate. Tell me, what do you um, think? Well, we definitely won't be using our hands um, anymore to do to work on our mobile phones. It's too inefficient. So they'll solve that because, I mean, it drives me crazy. And it, I just I mean, want a USB stick in my head yeah, that I can well, take out right. and then give to someone else and go download that. Yeah. So I think we'll definitely be um, either somehow biomechanically linked or at least within the next sort of five to ten years be, you know, doing voice control Yeah, at the very least. And not crap Siri, proper... Yeah, not, not crap Siri. Um, I think we'll be in driverless cars talking to our phones about doing everything or, or biomechanically connected. Will we be fat, do you think? Do you think that medical oh, like will keep up? In Wally. Yeah, do you I think love we'll Wally. be really fat? No, because our vanity won't allow it. That's the only thing that will stop it, though. Because yeah. everything is so convenient. I think that's why we, you know, as a nation, we are getting a little bit fatter because we don't walk anywhere. If we're in driverless cars, talking to our phones or somehow biomechanically connected to, and might not even be phones, they might be just generic devices, how as marketers are we going to disrupt and distract and get the attention of Well, already us? already there are um, there is software that can detect a person cross device. So we'll we'll definitely be doing that because we're we sh- we're doing that. We're actually trialing that sort of this year, where we will be looking at. Um, I think the the accuracy is about eighty percent that mm-hmm. it's one person once they've seen the different devices using various sort of technology. That's good. Yeah, to see oh that's in the same house or that's that's got the same Facebook profile that sort of thing. So I we can already that. Yeah, yeah we can already you know, three quarters of the time see that it's one person. Yeah. And so we'll, that will get more s- sophisticated and we'll stop marketing. We'll, we'll, some of that digital redundancy will definitely clear up. Yeah. Um, I don't think retargeting will be in existence in the way it is, it is. now. <laughs> we won't get followed around by shoes anymore, I don't think. They'll get <laughs> better at that. <laughs> um, so there'll be, there'll be a whole range of sort of implementations, you know, where other technologies will start to integrate in de-identified data so that we can tell that it's a person, a human being. So privacy will still be protected, but we'll be able to, we'll probably know a lot about that de-identified person. Yeah, but not physically that it's Kate or that it's Nicole, but the IP address is this and they like these things and they do these things. Yeah, and I think that's good for convenience and relevance, which is, you know, Google did this thing and, and Apple has done it since, but it was about two years ago they did this thing called Auto Awesome and I found it because I, I bought, for my second phone, I bought a Google Nexus phone and they had this thing with the photos where they just worked out that where you were taking the photos were, was all in the same place because I had location turned on and then they would just create a little story and video and then create it into a little story for you and then send a message to you and say, we've created this story, do you want to share it? And then you'd look at it and it was like Nicole's holiday here and yeah. all the oh, photos actually. was in it and it was so cool. And now Apple is doing it now but it was, I called it creepy but good. Yeah. Because it, it was A lot so of innovation good. is creepy yeah. to start with before it That's then right. becomes good. We realise that it's relevant and maybe it's something Saved that we like. Saved heaps of time and it was nice. So yeah. I, I really like that, you know, the, the people that are using data to make our lives better and easier, yeah. I think 
we, you know, as customers are much more comfortable with it being creepy if it's good. Yeah, it has natural benefit to our yeah, day. and it makes our lives easier. So, of course, there's trust issues and everyone's terrified about how, mon- how much data the big companies have, but we just have to, I, th- I suppose, keep within the law of media and marketing that, you know, this, this data does stay safe and they are guided by rules and bodies that keep that customer data safe. And eHarmony looking forward in 10 years? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it'll definitely be. The, instead of just looking at pictures, you'll definitely be able to upload um, a virtual reality version of yourself, I would I would assume. Almost have to, like a virtual date yeah. before you actually have the physical one so you go, that's a dud, not can, actually Can you that. imagine spinning a person like you could... Like 360. Yeah, 360. You'd be like, yeah, she's got a big butt. <laughs> Some guys might like Some that. Some guys like that. There's yeah. songs about that. How amazing, though, to be able to go, you know, if that's where the world is going, and I love virtual reality, I like it's my favourite topic to just spin mm. out and talk about. You know, Facebook has just dumped hundreds of millions of dollars into the founders yeah. of Second Life's pocket, which remember the old analogue late 90s, early 2000s, hey, I'm going to build this virtual world in PC land. Well, those guys are building the virtual reality world for Facebook. So yeah. fake world in fake environment but kind of real. Yeah. Imagine going on a virtual date well, that's as it. the test market. That's, well, that's amazing. It. That's probably what, I mean, the 3D thing, that's where it will be. So you don't actually have to meet them physically. You'll be able to Total dud, you have just a, hit escape. a virtual <laughs> conversation at a, in a restaurant and then go, yeah, okay, nice to meet you and off you pop and then you know, you would not waste your time meeting them in person. Yeah, or you go, this is great and, you know. Let's meet, let's touch. Yeah, let's actually (laughs) physically do this in the real world. Wow, how amazing. Well, they do say that the the biggest innovation for virtual reality is going to come from the porn industry. So I reckon second will be the dating industry. Yeah, that's right. Because you guys need it. It's A, a safety thing. It's a a possible safety feature. That's right, yeah. Big tick, not sending women or men out on weird, strange, potential first dates, safe environment, comfortable in your own home, tart yourself up and off you go. Yeah, you could have your, you could try try your virtual outfits on. So I think, yeah, um, that's, that's where, again, that's where the trust from a brand's values will come in, where they set it up so that they have some sort of rules in there that you can't fake it. Yeah, that'll be hard, right? Yeah. But not my job. I'm not an engineer. No, thank no, no, God. no. Nor am I. We'll leave that to the smart people that yes. code and know that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nicole, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the Contented Collective. Thanks so much, Kate. It's been so much fun. Thanks for having me. Join me next week when I chat with Ben Cooper, the Group Innovation Director at MNC Saatchi and the co-founder of Tricky Jigsaw. The Contented Collective is a contented production produced by Shay Constantine and me. Production assistant Jessica Peach, researched by me and Jessica Peach, edited by Shay Constantine and mixed by Nathan Johnson at Mix Osmosis. To catch up on other Contented Collective podcasts, head to our website, contented.com.